section six of the murder of delicia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by angelique campbell april two thousand nineteen the murder of delicia by marie corelli chapter four some days after the war of words between Valdez and Aubrey Grovelin at the Bohemian, Delicia was out shopping in Bond Street, not for herself, but for her husband. She had a whole list of orders to execute for him, from cravats and hosiery up to a new and expensive coach luncheon basket to which he had taken a sudden fancy. And besides this, she was looking about in all the jeweler's shops for some tasteful and valuable thing to give him as a souvenir of the approaching anniversary of their marriage day pausing at last in front of one glittering window she saw a rather quaint set of cuff studs which she thought might possibly answer her purpose and she went inside the shop to examine them more closely the jeweller not knowing her personally but judging from the indifferent way in which she took the announcement of his rather stiff prices that she must be a tolerably rich woman began to show her some of his most costly pieces of workmanship hoping thereby to tempt her into the purchase of something for herself she had no very great love for jewels but she had for artistic design and she gratified the jeweller by her intelligent praise of some particularly choice bits the merits of which could only be fully recognized by a quick eye and cultivated taste that is a charming pendant she said taking up a velvet case in which rested a dove with outspread wings made of the finest diamonds carrying in its beak the facsimile of a folded letter and finely wrought gold with the words j'adore ma mie set upon it in lustrous rubies the idea is graceful in itself and admirably carried out the jeweller smiled ah that's a very unique thing he said but it's not for sale it has been made to special order for lord carleon a faint tremor passed over delicia like the touch of a cold wind and for a moment the jewels spread out on the glass counter before her danced up and down like sparks flying out of a fire but she maintained her outward composure and in another minute she smiled at herself wondering why she had been so startled for of course her husband had ordered this pretty piece of jewellery as a gift for her on the very anniversary she was preparing to celebrate by a gift to him meanwhile the jeweller who was of an open mind and rather fond of confiding bits of gossip to stray customers took the diamond dove out of its silver-lined nest and held it up in the sunlight to show the lustre of the stones lovely design he said enthusiastically it will cost lord carleon a little over five hundred pounds but gentlemen of his sort never mind what they pay so long as they can please the lady they are after and the lady in this case isn't his lordship's wife as you may well suppose he sniggered and one of his eyelids trembled as though it were on the point of a profane wink delicia regarded him with a straight clear look why should i suppose anything of the sort she queried calmly i should on the contrary imagine that it was just the tasteful gift a man would wish to choose for his wife the jeweller made a curious little bow over his counter implying deference towards delicia's unsuspicious nature would you really he said well now as a matter of fact in our trade 
when we get special orders from gentlemen for valuable jewels they are never by any chance intended for the gentlemen's wives of course it is not our business to interfere with or even comment upon the actions of our customers but as far as our own artistic pieces goes it often pains us yes i may say it pains us to see some of our finest pieces being thrown away on dancers and music-hall singers who don't really know how to appreciate them because they haven't the taste or culture for it they know the money's worth of jewels oh you may trust them for that and whenever they want to raise cash why of course their jewels come handy but it's not satisfactory to us as a firm for we take a good deal of pride in our work this dove for instance and again he dangled the pendant in the sunbeams it's a magnificent specimen of diamond setting and of course we as the producers of such a piece would far rather know it was going to lady carleon than to la marina delicia began to feel as if she were in a kind of dull dream there were flickering lines of light flashing before her eyes and her limbs trembled she heard the jeweller's voice going on again in its politely gossiping monotone as though it were a long way off of course la marina is a wonderful creature a marvellous dancer and good-looking in her way but common ah oh, common's no word for it she was the daughter of a costermonger in east cheap now lady carleon is a very different person she is best known by her maiden name delicia vaughan she's the author of that name i dare say you may have read some of her books i believe yes i think i have murmured delicia faintly well there you are she's a really famous woman and very much loved by many people i've heard say but lord her husband hardly gives her a thought i've seen him in this very street walking with females that even i'd be ashamed to know and it's rumoured that he hasn't got a penny of his own and that all the money he throws about so lavishly is his wife's and if that's the case it's really shameful because of course she without knowing it pays for marina's jewels however there's no accounting for tastes i suppose lady carleon's too clever or else plain in her personal appearance and that's why this diamond dove is going to la marina instead of to her will you take the cuff studs yes thank you i will take them said delicia opening her purse with cold trembling fingers and counting out crisp banknotes to the value of twenty pounds they are pretty and very suitable for a, a gentleman unconsciously she laid an emphasis on the word gentleman and the jeweller nodded exactly there's nothing vulgar about them not the least suspicion of anything fast really you can't be too particular in the choice of studs or what with the sporting men and the jockeys and trainers who get presents of valuable studs from their turf patrons it's difficult to head upon anything really gentlemanly for a gentleman but and the worthy man smiled as he packed up the studs after all real gentlemen are getting very scarce allow me here he flung open the door of his establishment with the grace of a sir charles grandison and royally issued his command to the small boy in buttons attached to the shop see this lady to her carriage 
how this lady got into her carriage she never quite knew the page-boy did his part in carefully attending to her dress that it should not touch the wheel and wrapping her round with a rich bear-skinned rug that protected her from side winds and then quietly grasping the shilling she slipped into his palm for his services but she herself felt more like a mechanical doll moving on wires than a living feeling woman her coachman who always had enough to do in the management of the spirit of horses which drew her light victoria glanced back at her once or twice doubtfully as he guided his prancing animals out of the confusion of bond street and drove towards the park considering within himself that if he were going in an undesired direction her ladyship would speedily stop him but her ladyship lay back in her cushioned seat inert indifferent seeing nothing and hearing nothing the fashionable pageant of the park season seemed to her a mere chaotic whirl and several eager admirers of her beauty and her genius raised their hats to her in vain she never perceived them a curious numbness had crept over her she wondered as she felt the movement of the carriage whether it was not a hearse and she the dead body within it being carried to her grave then quite suddenly she raised herself and sat upright glancing about at the rich foliage of the trees the gay flower beds and the up and down moving throng of people a bright flush reddened her face which for the past few minutes had been deadly pale and as two or three of her acquaintances passed her in their carriages or on foot she saluted them with the usual graceful air of mingled pride and sweetness and seemed almost herself again but she was not long able to endure the strain she put upon her nerves and after one or two turns in the row she bade her coachman drive home arrived there she found a telegram from her husband running thus shall not return to dinner don't wait up for me crushing the missive in her hand she went to her own study immediately the faithful spartan following her and there she shut herself up alone with her dog friend for a couple of hours the scholarly peace of the place had its effect in soothing her and allaying the burning smart of her wounded spirit and with a sigh of relief she sat down on her favorite armchair with her back purposely turned to the white marble antinous whose cruel smile had nothing but mockery in it for the woman's pain spartan laid his head on her knee and she rested one hand caressingly on his broad brow i must think this worry out spartan she said gently i feel as if i had swallowed poison and needed an antidote spartan wagged his bushy tail and looked volumes had he been able to speak he might have said why did you ever trust a man dogs are much more faithful she sank into a profound reverie her brain was clear logical and evenly balanced and she had none of the flighty fantastical hysterical notions common to many of her sex she had been trained or rather she had trained herself in the splendid school of classic philosophy and in addition to this she was a devout christian one of the old world type who would have willingly endured martyrdom for the faith had it been necessary she was not a church-goer and she belonged to no special sect she had no vulgar vices to hide by an ostentatious display of public charities but she had the most absolute and passionate belief in and love for christ as the one divine messenger from god to man and now she was bringing both her faith and her philosophic theories to bear on the present unexpected crisis in her life if i were a low woman a vulgar woman a virago in domestic life or what the french call un i could understand his seeking a change from my detestable company anywhere and everywhere she mentally argued but as things are what have i done that he should descend from me to la marina 
men will amuse themselves i know that well enough but need the amusement be obtained on such a low grade and is it fair that my earnings should keep la marina in jewels at this latter thought she started up and began to pace the room restlessly in so doing she came face to face with the marble of antinous and she stopped abruptly looking full at it oh men what were you made for she demanded half aloud to be masters of the planet then surely your mastership should be characterized by truth and nobility not vileness and fraud surely god originally intended you for better things than a trample under your feet all the weak and helpless to work a ravage on the fairest scenes in nature and to make miserable wrecks of all the women that love you yes antinous i can read in your sculptured face the supreme egotism of manhood an egotism which fate will avenge in its own good time no wonder so few men are real christians it is too sublime and spiritual a creed for the male nature which is a composition of wild beast and intellectual pagan now what shall be my course of action shall i delicia seeing my husband in the mud go down into the mud also or shall i keep clean not only clean in body but clean in mind clean from meanness clean from falsehood clean from spite not only for his sake but for the sake of my own self-respect shall i let things take their course until they culminate of themselves in the preordained catastrophe that always follows evil yes i think i will life after all is a shadow and love what is it she sighed and shuddered less than a shadow perchance but there is something in me which must outlast both life and love something which is the real delicia who must hereafter answer to a supreme judge for the thoughts which have elevated or degraded her soul she resumed her pacing to and fro how easy it would be to act like other women she mused to rant and weep and hysterically shriek complaints in the ear of my lord when he returns to-night or began the day to-morrow with fume and fuss as hot and steaming as the boiling water with which i make the breakfast tea or to go and grumble to a female confidant who would at once sell her information for five shillings to the most convenient society journal or to sink right down into the deepest mire of infamy and write anonymous letters to la marina daughter of the greengrocer in east cheap or employ a detective to dodge his movements and hers heavens how low we can fall if we choose and equally how high we can stand if we determine to take a firm footing on some snow-crowned peak lofty and glittering in the golden glow of summer's ripening splendor some people ask what is the good of standing high certainly you get on much better in society at least if you creep low and crawl on very humble all fours to the feet of the latest demo mondaine provided she be of the aristocracy if you know how to condone the vulgarity of a prince and call his vices virtue if you can pardon the blackguardism of a duke and speak of him as that gentleman in spite of the fact that he is not fit to be tolerated among decent-minded people you are sure to get on as the phrase goes to keep oneself morally clean is a kind of offence nowadays but methinks i shall continue to offend she passed her hand across her forehead dreamily something has confused and stunned me 
i cannot quite realize what it is i think i had an idol somewhere set up on a pedestal of gold it has suddenly tumbled down of its own accord she smiled vaguely it is not broken yet but it has certainly fallen that night when lord carleon returned about one o'clock he found the house dark and silent no one was waiting up for him but his valet a discreet and sober individual who knew his master's secrets and kept them not at all because he respected his master but because he respected his master's wife and the semi-obscurity and grave solitude of his home irritated beauty carleon to a most inconsistent degree inasmuch as he had himself telegraphed to delicia that she was not to sit up for him where's her ladyship he demanded haughtily does she go out this evening gravely the valet assisted him to pull off his opera coat as he replied no sir my lord i mean her ladyship dined alone and retired early i believe the maid said her ladyship was in bed by ten carleon grumbled something inaudible and went upstairs outside his wife's room he paused and tried the handle of her bedroom door it was locked surprised and angry he tapped smartly on the panels there was no answer save a low fierce growl from spartan who suddenly rising from his usual post on the landing outside his mistress's sleeping chamber manifested unusual and extraordinary signs of temper down you fool muttered carleon addressing the huge beast lie down or it will be the worse for you but spartan remained erect with ears flattened and a white teeth a snarl and carleon after rapping once more vainly at the closed door gave it up as a bad job and retired to his own private room never knew her so dead asleep before he grumbled she generally stays awake until i come home he flung himself into his bed with a kind of sullen rage upon him things had gone altogether very wrong with him that evening he had lost money delicia's money at play la marina had been in what her intimates called one of her nasty humours that is she had drunk a great deal more champagne than was good for her and had afterwards exhibited a tendency to throw wine-glasses at her admirers she had boxed carleon's ears put a spoonful of strawberry ice down his back and called him a hayporth of bad aristocrat what do you suppose we are taste marry such fellows as you for she had yelled with a burst of tipsy laughter why to make you look greater fools than ever and then she had shot a burnt almond nearly into his eye and he had endured all this stoically for the mere stupid satisfaction of having the other men round la marina's supper-table understand that she was his property at present no matter to whom she might hereafter belong but she had behaved so badly and she had treated him with such ingratitude that he unconsciously to himself longed for the fair calm presence of delicia who always received him with the honour and worship he considered due to him as a man a lord and an officer in the guards and now when he had come home expecting to be charmed and flattered and caressed by her she had committed the unwarrantable indiscretion of going to bed and falling sound asleep it was really too bad enough to sting the lofty spirit of a carleon and such is the curious self-pity and egotism of some men at their worst that his lordship felt himself to be a positively injured man as he settled his godlike head upon his lonely pillow and fell into an uneasy slumber disturbed by very unpleasant dreams of his losses at baccarat and the tipsy rages of marina 
End of chapter 4